Hi, my name is Maurice Bernard, and this is State of Mind. You may know me from my role on General Hospital, but what you might not know is that I've been a proud mental health advocate for over 30 years. State of Mind is a show where I speak about my mental health, my life with bipolar, anxiety, depression, and have guests who share about their life and their mental health. I hope that by listening, you can be inspired, learn about mental illness, and ways to have a healthy state of mind. Okay, so state of mind. How are ya? If you like what you see, hit the button right here. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, every time I do that, I think it's funny and nobody laughs, which is fine because whatever. Um, I'm with Jordi Villasuso. Jordi! Villa Suso. Mm. All right. Um, he's been on every soap. You can, I, every soap that's on. Well, not on, no. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know. I looked him up, Jordy, and there was not a lot uh, uh, there, like dirt or anything, so. He's probably real clean and stuff, <laughs> but I'm going to get to know him right now. Him and his wife have a podcast, and I can't wait to talk about that. Um, and there's, there's a question I want to ask him about acting. That's kind of cool because he's done all these soaps. I've done two myself. Um, anyway, uh, I just want to say, what's up? What's up, my man? Como estamos? Aquí. Boom. You good? I'm great, man. I'm super happy to be here. And super into what you're doing Thank on the you. show. Um, where'd you grow up and all? Let's start from that. Miami, La Florida. Oh, you did? Yeah, the 305. Yeah. How was that? It was great. My dad, uh, my dad's a Cuban exile, and so is my mom. So strong Cuban community down there. Um, he's a doctor. My dad's dad was a doctor in Cuba. Uh, my dad's brothers are, were doctors. So very, you know, came here and really leaned into education first and foremost and uh yeah grew up there earned my stripes started acting at the age of 11 knew it from the get are you serious yeah, yeah i really wanted to do it now your father being a doctor everybody doctors are they like no he was the most supportive my mom was scared. My grandparents were scared. She's like las drogas y todo eso se van a meter. Yeah, yeah. and you know they didn't know but my dad was like, go for it. Um, when they saw me do a play in high school, they just opened a drama club at my at Catholic grade school. And uh, and I got the lead and I did it. And, um, you know, my brother played piano, baseball. I played baseball, but I had this, this thing. I had to act and I had to do it. And I had to figure out my own way. And I had some really good teachers. Who... In Miami? No, here. Oh, okay. I moved here when I was 18 after high school. Did you study in? I just did theater, oh. and I did study a little bit That's with, good. Yeah, theater, with yeah, but theater really, you know, the high school theater outside Coconut Grove theater, and then when I got here, I just started. But my training was really guiding light. I moved to New York when I was nineteen, and I started there, and you know, I worked with great people. I worked with Kim Zimmer, Damn. I worked with Paul Anthony Stewart, I worked with, and I just learned, and I had great directors. I had directors from Juilliard. Yeah. Brian Mertens, yeah, he was a director. He was a teacher at Juilliard, and he would. I remember, you know, I was nineteen. 
really green and he's and I was kind of like, you know, I was going out, people were inviting me out to go to the clubs, whatever. Right. And I remember one day I had not shown up at in my best with my best attitude or my best work ethic and he said, "You're good, but remember what you're doing here and know your lines when you come to set." And when I got that little in the booty, I was like, "All right." And from that point on, I really came to work ready, ready to go at the time. How long did you do Guiding Light? Three years. Oh, you did? Yeah. I remember, and I remember being there because they had all these photos. It was over uh, 44th between 2nd and 3rd in like a three-floor stu uh, studio where they had uh, screen jumps and whatnot. And uh, I remember seeing your headshot there. And I was like, was Maurice on this show? No. And I don't know why I was there, but, I, you know, it was a time when they were doing the mafia storyline, so I was like a mafia-esque. So you're 19, three years. What'd you get out of that soap? What'd you get from that experience? That, that's young, man. It was I young. started at 24 there. Yeah. All my children. Yeah. Uh, were you good then? I was good. Uh, I was good. It was a great character, though. I had a great... Like, I, I, like for me growing up, it you was... You won like, an Emmy? I won an Emmy in 2003, yeah. Yeah, and that was fun. My grandfather came. My parents all bought tickets for everyone. My grandfather came up. He was beautiful. He used to record all my shows on VHS, have yeah, my house. <laughs> and I'd have these decks of on the shelves, just tapes, tapes, tapes with the date. He was very diligent about putting all the dates yeah. and the shows next to it. Um, you know, I think I got... In retrospect now, I think I got that when you get a character that's so good on one of these shows or any show for that matter, it's like, you've got to appreciate that. It's not always the gig. Sometimes you're given this and you got to do it or you say no. But I've gotten that a few times. And ever since then, after, you know, not always eating steak, but peanut butter, you know, you take the gig, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I really appreciate when I get great story. And a great character. That's that's kind of what I got for it. You know, there's a question I want to ask you. Uh, and I thought it was a pretty damn good question myself. <laughs> and here it is. What makes you happier? Because this is kind of goes into yeah. what you're talking about. Because you've done all these soaps. What makes you happier? The character you play or the people you work with? That's a good question. Come is, on, Jordan. It is. It's, I think it's the character I play, to be honest. You do? Yeah. Especially if it's... Especially if you don't like the people that you're working with. That I know, yeah, right. you know, it's interesting to me because I I would go with the character, mm -hmm. but man, like I had an experience working uh, when I played John Gotti with someone who, yeah. and that was great character, but horrible. So. It's hard for me to say. It is hard to say. I and, and to be honest, I haven't really had a lot of bad I haven't either. experiences with other people. But when it's bad, it's bad. Because this is a collaboration. You and I, we're exchanging yeah, yeah. vulnerability. We're exchanging yeah. risk. We're exchanging stories that are important enough to tell on screen. Yeah. So you got you to gotta share. You got to come to the sandbox and mess around. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, it's like, oh, really? You're going to... All right, so what am I going to do here? I'm either going to get into it with you, which I've never been a real fan of, right? Getting into it with a co-star and, you know, you know, being a ball breaker or what have you, but sometimes you have to. 
Yeah. Or you just do the best that you can with what you're given. And it, it could be a, a person that's like giving you nothing but a wall. Nothing. I know. And you just, you're like, you know what? I got the skills and I'm going to. But that's where, if, like with me playing Sonny, Sonny Corinthos, uh, for almost 30 years now, Jesus Christ. Um, it's a great character. So you can lock in to the character. And like you said, I think for me, it's the story when it's a great story. Mm. You're excited. Yes. Excited yeah, about going to work. You can have a great character and a, not a great story, and yeah. you're like, "All right, it's yeah. all right." But when they get that story, and and it almost doesn't matter if there's a jerk or a in the in the story, because it's a great story. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I took away. Like great story in in this genre. When you're given that, because it's not always the case, but when you're given that, it's. Uh, it's like when you're, you know, because nobody, we don't get to tell these stories. You can't tell this on a film. You can't tell no. 12 pages. It's a theater. It's no. a, it's theater. It's almost like the actor studio. Yeah. You're working on yeah. something, but when you get great stuff and you're able yeah. to let go and you're like, I don't know where the fuck I went in that, yeah. but something happened. That's my currency. Yeah. That's it. That, that to me is like, okay, now I know why I do what I do. And soaps are the only thing that that does everything yeah. in real time. Like, you know, I did a AIDS story and yeah, Michael Sutton came to me and said, hey, I'm letting me go, but it's a year. And I'm going to have AIDS and then I'm going to die in a year. And, I, and he said, can you help me? What he wanted was an Emmy. And so I said, I'll help you, bro. And we did it. And it was real time. O.J. Simpson killed soaps. That's right. Cool. That's 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 true. Because no one really saw the AIDS story, right? Because every time a great show would come on, you'd have OJ in the in the court, you know, doing his thing. And that year, really, the the, the ratings just died. Yeah. Um, and he ended up getting an Emmy nomination. But um, where'd you meet your wife? I want to hear about all that, man. I really so my wife used to watch me on Guiding Light. She her she grew up in a CBS family. They used to watch all the soaps on CBS, As the World Turns, uh, Guiding Light. And when I started on the show, she was a Florida actor. She was in Fort Lauderdale. I was uh, Miami. But we had the same manager, a woman by the name of Marjorie Morham, who did the casting for Miami Vice in Miami. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I love Miami Vice. Yeah, it was great. So she... So Marjorie, when I moved to L.A. after I got Miami and I was done with Guiding Light... Katie had just done Monster, which was the movie starring Charlize Theron that yeah. she got the Oscar for. Katie played Charlize as a young girl in flashbacks no. in Monster. Yeah. So. I love that. Marjorie said, do you want to meet Jordy? And she's like, yeah. This is her telling me. And I was uh, 22. She was 17. And we met at the Broadway Deli. You remember the Broadway Deli on yeah. Santa Monica? I used to live right above it in a loft. Right. Because when I came back from New York, I wanted to be able to walk around. And in LA, you got to drive everywhere. But for yeah. me, I was like, I want people. I want to be surrounded by people. I want to walk around. So we met there. And it was just, I knew. It was it's crazy. Cause I right knew. away, you knew? Yeah, I knew. There's just something there. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's a godsend. But she went away to college and... 
when while she was away, I basically had a girlfriend for like four years. I was almost going to get engaged. And then she sent me a Facebook message. And when I got that Facebook message, I ended that relationship and I went straight to her and I snagged her. She was 24 right when she got in town and I, you're coming with me. And she like moved in like three months later. Um, and she's been my, my Katie ever since. Yeah, she's how long, how 12 years. We're going to 10 years in August, this August. Uh, we've been together for 12 years. We've known each other for, um, 18, 19 years. I'll be 49. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. She's, she's a gem she's i mean man she's 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 great she's my everything too like i'm gonna like when if i'm up for this emmy now but she's like hey are you gonna who are you gonna think of? oh I yeah babe, that's right i you're said right. baby you're gonna be the f i think god and then you i think that's how it's gonna work that's the way it has to be yeah, yeah that god yeah i've done it uh, every time you know when i won you won in 2003 when we did it at uh carnegie was it carnegie hall or was it at the... Uh... Oh, my God. You won when I won my first yeah. one. Like, it took me 10 years to win my first and then 20 years to win yeah, two yeah, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that night was wild. Wasn't that fun? Oh, my... What a what an, an event the it Emmys were. It used to be, so bro. Fun, right? I used to have to walk in with, with cops. Right, the crowds just yeah. outside the place. Grabbing they were my ass yeah. and <laughs> pinching me and stuff. Wow, you won that night? Yeah. It was fun. And Vanessa won. Vanessa Marcel. That's right. That's right. Damn. This is amazing. Um, so let's talk about, I want to talk about this. She did this movie. How was that, that experience? It was great. It was great. She, her mom, uh, Patty, had grown up in Florida in the, the local Monster. industry down there as like the killer in the commercial industry. So like all the commercials that they shot, they shot in Florida, she did something over like 100 national commercials, her mom. So she used to take the kids to all these commercial auditions and incorporate everything wow. she could. But Katie, in she's such a talent and she's got great taste and she's super much smarter than I am. But she doesn't like the game. The auditioning, the rejection. She doesn't have the constitution for that. And she'll be the first to admit it. So when she got this, was she like, it must have been ecstatic or she doesn't. I don't think she really knew. I don't See think that? she didn't Damn. know. It's, isn't that great? I love that. I yeah. love when I don't know. I know. It's just all the expectations are out. So what about as a kid, man? Did being Cuban, because everybody thinks I'm Italian, but I'm not. I'm 100%. I get the same thing. I get Cuban. Really? Yeah, I get Italian, Greek. But when you play in a ta a, 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 in the mo you know, Sonny for thirty years. Of course. He's yeah. a, you know, you know that Sonny is half Cuban, half Greek. Oh, I didn't know that. But I'm like, uh, no, he's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't playing this. Stuff. Well, how do you play? Right? How do you do? Yeah. But he talks Spanish and all that stuff. Good. But as far as like uh, being uh hispanic i don't know what's the correct way of saying it nowadays you get in trouble if you say the right. i just i like hispanic let's just keep i it like easy. hispanic let's too, keep it right? easy bro let's yeah. not get complicated with that's what I, I, I used to call it latinx they're like no no it's latinx i was like oh sorry but let's just call it let's just call it what it is i say spanish or spanish is cool yeah I but you're, you're cuban whatever whatever um growing up how did they view mental health 
Well, I was, I was fortunate in a sense that my, my dad's brother was a psychiatrist. Uh, mm. But still, I think mental health was still something kind of kept in the closet. Yeah. Um, since then, you know, when I went to school and I studied psychology, for whatever reason, I've been super interested curious about you say school you're studying in school right? yeah i i would go to i would go to call like i went to college when i was in guiding light i uh you know and i think that's, that's part of amazing. my family my, my family they were so hung up on being educated oh. that my dad always wanted me to get my degree whatever i did he's like go do acting but get your degree never got it but you know still was very curious still about learning and i think um when my parents incurred some problems and also also reading about Brando, how he was always, so I was like, oh, there's something to this in terms of acting. He's in therapy. I need to get into therapy. But when my parents separated mm. when I was 24, I made the family go because there were so many dynamics that were off in the family. I go, we all need to go to a family therapist. We oh, all need you to did? sit. Yeah. Yeah. I made them all go. Mom, dad. Mom, dad, Javi, my brother, and Marianne, my sister. And we all sat there and we had it out. And it wasn't, it was not that well received. But I was like, we have to do this. If we're going to move on and we're going to put the family together, we got to talk about this. Or either you two are going to therapy or we're all going together. One or the other. And you went together? We went together, yeah. And how long did you go together? We went for an hour, hour and a half. but For, day, for months? For once. Oh, once! But they got back together. My parents ended up getting back together. Oh. And then for me, I went on my own um, in my 20s. And then when my wife and I, she was six months pregnant when we got married. Um, and we didn't have any, she's a child of divorce. Her parents are divorced, great parents, but divorced. And, uh, and I remember we were sitting in our house. We were living in Florida at the time. I was shooting all my children and they tried to do like a Hulu thing. So we were living in Florida. I was doing some shows down there and we had our four month old Riley on her lap. And she said, I think we should get a divorce. No, she's the most important thing. And when she said that, it was like she had, she went for the red phone. It was nuclear. It was like, whoa, that 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 word is not in my. I don't feel comfortable with that space. So right away, I started looking for therapists in the area. Good for you, man. Yeah, and we found a therapist in walking distance from our mom's house, so we could literally walk to the therapist. And this woman, we still talk to her to this day. We've been with her for ten years. Her name's Julia Fischetto in Lauderdale by the sea. But and she, why did she want a divorce? You know, Maurice, to be honest, I think I don't we weren't it. communicating well. We didn't have the tools. I was 31. Oh, she was 26, 27. Um, we were living with her mom, which, you know, anybody living with a parent, that's going to, uh, it's going to be tough. Uh, yes. You know, and, uh, but I don't think it's so tunnel vision when you're dealing with. Were you not young, connected? You, we're getting pushback. But I don't think we understood how to, in the midst of conflict, how to really keep the ball moving forward. We didn't know how to like. We didn't have the skills to communicate, and ultimately, that's what it is. But you, you were good. I mean. I mean, I think, but I mean, you didn't she, want she would probably say something. Oh, I, didn't, oh, oh. I didn't want a divorce. I yeah. think for her, she felt like since she was a child of divorce, oh, this is like, we're not going to, I'm not going to go through what I went through with my parents. Uh, 
I'm going to end this now for her, for this little baby that's sitting in my lap. I'm going to end it for her. Damn. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. And we went deep and we still go deep. And deep, so you went to the therapist. We went to the therapist and our relationship got deeper. We got deeper. I, I, we wouldn't have, you know, maybe we would have ended up divorced or maybe we would have lived our own lives living together. But it's beautiful. But, but we needed the help. What was some of the stuff that the therapist was saying that you stuck with you? So the first thing she said, do you, do you have love for each other? And we looked at it and we're like, yeah. And she said, don't forget, you guys are lovers and friends. And for whatever reason, that put in this framework of like, friend, I got your back. Like, we're on the same team. Yeah. Like, we decided to do this together. Like, she's here. Riley's here because of us and God. But we needed to unite. Right. And that put us in more of like, I think, a teammate getting on the same, like, yeah, there may be a problem, but let's figure out how we can get on the same page together. And she taught us how to communicate whenever we had a problem. It was great that she was there because it was it was almost like a mediator. Yeah. We couldn't figure it out. I was like, all right, let's just hold off on this really contentious subject matter we're dealing with, you and I. Let's talk to Juliet. We'll call Juliet tomorrow. And we would, riff, we would get on the phone with her or be in her office and we would go off. And then afterwards, we always made a point, we'd go on a date. Have a drink, Dang. you know, and also for me, like the whole therapy thing with couples, you're investing in your relationship. Yeah, like man, kids, work, life, you get caught up in all this, but you gotta invest in each other, man. And you were lucky that you found one that worked. So lucky, like literally. I think we went to one in the beginning. She was whack, and then we found Julia, and she was just like, "This, this is it." She gave us, and it, it was very interesting because my friend who was a, he's a neuropsychologist, I called him and I was like, dude, listen, my, Katie and I were having problems. He's like, I'm looking for a, a therapist, anything you're suggesting. He's like, find a CBT, a cognitive behavioral therapist, because you're going to leave there with tools. You're not just going to be sitting there in analysis like da, 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 talking the whole time and not getting any feedback. She gave us tools to leave with. Like? Have a date after this. Go on a date. That's a good tool, yeah. You know, find time for yourselves every day to hug, embrace, have sex with each other. Yeah. Like, don't let that go straight. Like, be intimate. Yeah. Whether it's touch or just spend time because you're investing. It's not going to be, you can't just sit back and be like, ah, we're married. It's fine. Not consensus. Falls apart. I just want to say the stuff that Jordy's talking about is very important. And um, I, don't, I don't talk about it enough on State of Mind because he's giving you tools, man. He's giving you, uh, you know. See, what I, what I do on State of Mind is I kind of, I give tools too, but I, I tell my stories. And, uh, you know. I'm an actor, a good actor. I can tell you good stories. But he's giving you kind of some cool stuff that I'm actually taking in very much listening. So I appreciate that. Thank you, brother. Um, yeah, it's so important. But, you know, 
a lot of times, like we just said, it's difficult to find the right therapist. And some people write me and say, you know, I've gone to th three, they're horrible. And yeah. so, but when you find, that's why somebody like Martin Brando can have therapy his whole life. Right. Because it helps when yeah. you're with some someone who can see you that way and understand. Yeah, and I think also like for men too, um, I found that my friendships, like I've developed different friendships just from being vulnerable with men and like seeing how outside of therapy, but being able to talk things through with men, it's so, it's been a real interesting thing. And it, it, it helps out with the therapy, you know, but finding men that you can connect with yeah. and relate to, because sometimes you can't tell them what you're going through. You can't tell your wife. You have to find a dude and you're going to be like, this I is, agree you know what that. I mean? And you have yeah. to you have to have men that you can trust and that you can sit down with and, and be real with. And I see a lot of guys, because I'm an open book, as you can yeah. obviously. And I, I tell everybody, hi, I'm Maurice Bernard. I've been in a men's institution. How are you? <laughs> but most guys hold that stuff. And I say to people, people, you hold it in, you're going to blow. Yeah. It's just the way it works. It's happened to me. Happened to me recently. I held stuff in. My I was like not communicating with my wife. Man, did I blow up? And it was and I felt shameful. We actually talked about it on the podcast. We we use this thing called asking for a friend, but in this kind of framework, it was obvious that it was me. And I did something that let's call it that I threw a glass across the room. Right? Ooh. Nobody wants to do that shit. I don't want to do that shit. But I had something. It had nothing to do with her. Uh, it was me. Yeah. And I hadn't opened up to anybody or I hadn't opened up to her. And I was triggered by something she said. And she didn't say it. She wasn't like looking to, to yeah, hurt me. Yeah. But, and we talked to, we actually talked to a therapist about it. And, you know, she said, these are the things, because I felt so bad afterwards. I felt so shameful about yeah, it, yeah, you know. Yeah. But we were able to um, to address it. And forgive each other. For, she was able to forgive me. I was able. I'm. For, I've forgiven myself. I can say I've forgiven myself, and and just be aware of when stuff like that comes up. How's your anger? It's right there. Because I have, you know, I yeah. have rage. Yeah. No, I have rage for sure. I've had it since I was. Yeah, me too, bro. Yeah, since I was young. My dad had it. So did my dad. And my dad had it. He, yeah. He used to, right to punish me. He would take a belt. My, I got the belt too. Same thing. Yeah. And I think that adds to yeah. the rage. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do we know that if the if the father didn't take the belt that you would hey, – I just believe this is my – you know, it, it just – if you have a little bit of rage, that's just going to give you more rage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think – I mean, rage, anger, they're part of life. I think we have to be aware of them. Yeah. You know, I tell my wife now I can feel I'm so aware of the feeling. It's like hot. It gets hot right in here. Yeah. Real hot. And things start to get tense. And I'm like, listen, we're talking about this. This is me and her talking. I'm, we're talking about this right now. I'm getting heated. Let me just take a moment just to walk outside, punch, like walk around, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Curse, whatever the fuck I need to do, but right. let it out. And then I can be more rational with you. I can be here with yeah. you. Yeah. But that's shit that, you know. As a man, yeah, I have it in me, and and I don't want and I don't want to be that in front of my girls either. Like I don't want them to feel unsafe. I'm surrounded by females in my household, so it's like so I, am I, except yeah. for my son. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I have the joke that you know when I yell, then, and uh, I'm the I'm like the monster. You're the bad guy. 
Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, no, the whole the but, whole house okay. is against me. I'm the bad guy. Okay, but let me let me ask you something. It's like Jordy's interviewing me. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I like that though. I really do. Um okay. Cause I feel like when I raise my voice, then all of a sudden I'm fucked. But aren't we allowed to raise our voice? Yeah, I think we are allowed to. I think it's part of what we do in our profession, right? So yeah. there's almost times that I'm like, maybe I'm dealing with something at home and all the shit that comes out on screen, it's like maybe I've kept it in at home and it's finally coming out. Right. And I'm able to give them a right. channel to release that stuff. Um, I do. I, it's all right. I, I think so. I, I think... You just you, can't do it a lot. You can't mate. do it a lot. You gotta... You gotta I, I think it's either you... You go outside. I don't like doing it in front of my kids because I don't want them to feel unsafe. Right. You know, so there's that. But they, they've they seen it. Kids? Nine and f she'll be six. Well, those your kids are young. Mine yeah. are, they're all yeah. adults. So. But also, like, <laughs> they're going to see, too. It's like, I think it's part of, like, too. So, like, you try your best. If they see it, it sucks. But, hey, they're going to go through it, too. They're going to have these times where they're going to have to raise their voice because of some injustice or something that they feel they need to confront. Yeah. And you want them to know, like, sometimes the shit hits the fan and it's OK. You just have to learn how to get back up and address it either through. Hey, listen, I have up. Can we move on? Like, what do I need to do so we can heal from this? Right. And also. I was born with the curse or the blessing. That. I have an enormous intensity. Yeah. So in acting, it's the greatest thing. But in life. Oh, yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm just like, well, you know. Well, growing up in a Hispanic house, yes. there were screams, right? There was shouting. I mean, you know my what? House. Not in mine. No, that's beautiful. Be well, it was all internal. Uh, that's maybe, you know, yeah. there wasn't, I didn't hear them screaming a lot, my mom and dad or whatever, but it was internal, mm -hmm. which has the other it's the it's other the side the of other it. side of yeah. that right yeah my yeah. my mom and dad would they would have it out in the house i think that's better maybe maybe because they're not holding it in they're just letting it out but maybe it's too much i think if they had therapy it'd probably be less yeah, screaming exactly um but i'll tell you one thing i mean this is kind of like where i come from if anybody ever asked me hey do you have, you know you're doing this marriage podcast do you have any advice i'm about to get married I'd be like you know what Either get some counseling before you get married or get some counseling while you're married because it's going to get tough. It's going to get tough and you're not going to have the answers and your parents may not be able to give you the answers. So you need to go to someone and hash it out. You know, I've got to tell you, I'm, I'll confess, I, you know, I, everything I do, mental health and everything, I'm not seeing a therapist and I, and I know I should. And, I'm going to. What do you What do you think has withheld you from that? It's not any. I love. I love yeah. going to therapists, man. Because yeah. a lot of times, and I'm not trying to be cocky, but I feel like I'm smarter than these a lot of mm. these guys. I love that. Oh, it's that's great. interesting. It's great, man. That's interesting. Oh, I sit there and just you know, and I I'm. It's fun. So it's not that. It's just well, you know, during the pandemic. And this is an interesting thing I want to talk to you about right now, too. 
because I can get it out. This beauty about podcast, it, it's your platform to yeah. say what the fuck you Whatever want. Whatever the fuck you want to say. Okay, so it took me four months to find a psychiatrist. In in every day that I didn't want to be on this earth anymore because of anxiety. I mean, every 24-7, thinking about... What was it the isolation? Were you scared to no, get no, sick? No, no, it was a lot of things. It was, uh, I was promoting my book, which yeah. I, my book ended up do, doing better during the pandemic. And uh, my mom and dad moved out of the house. Um, I'm not working for the first time in 30 years. All that. And that's the end of the world in our, yeah. in our minds. So I got this anxiety that just, I've had it, but not like this. So it took me four months. You know how quick it is to say, I'm out, done, I'm dead, like that, right? Four months. So, and I wanted to see, so, you know, because I'm like, hell, because I'm good at when I'm in that state of mind, um, I want help. I'm not one of those people. So I, please, I don't want to feel this way. So, and then I watched this show on 60 Minutes. This is what I want to really do. Somebody sent me, told me to watch this show on 60 Minutes on children who takes their anxiety, bipolar, whatever, their depression. It takes four months to a year to see a psychiatrist. What the hell is that? I mean, I don't get it. Children. Why? They're backed up. And a lot of people, a lot of people feel like uh it's, you know, the pandemic's done now. Only in that period it was difficult. No. Now, these two years later, these kids are much worse, a lot of them. Yeah. So I'm making it a point. To have doctors on here and, and Love kids and, and, and talk to them. and Well, clearly there's a need for it, right? If there's a four to ten month waiting list for people to get people to help in mental health professionals, I mean, you're doing the right thing because there's a need for it. There's Especially in these small towns, too, where, you know, kids have so much access. They want out. And uh, this one therapist I was talking to, she said, she grew up in a town of 7,500 people. I said... So how many therapists did you have? She said there were two, two therapists. That's another thing. Yeah. yeah. So imagine like that's all you have for. And now that it's becoming more accepted, right? I'm going to a therapist. Like, I love when people are open like that and be like, man, I'm going through something tough. But you know what? I'm I'm getting help. I'm either in a in, in a group therapy format, which there's a lot that you don't even have to pay for. Uh, AA is great for a lot right. of people. It's helped so many people. And then, you know, there's family therapy there's and and you know it should have its place just like and i was thinking about this the other day because you had talked about it. she said you said shouldn't there be a mental health class yeah. in our school curriculum yes 100 yes. percent. shouldn't there be a way a class on how we deal with media we've never dealt with media in this day and age there's never been this like i could have everything in the palm of my hand right, right. any answer um there should we should have a mental health checkup we have a physical. Why don't we have a mental health checkup I every I agree. every year? That I should be agree. part of, you I know, 
everything. Well, the pandemic, like I've said, it's the curse and the blessing of, you know, it's the curses, suicides are out of control, right? Yeah. The blessing is it's so much awareness now. I'm so freaking happy. That's true. Because it's not been like this, man. You never, I'm, I'm watching TV, commercial for bipolar. If you have anxiety, if you have depression, it's, you know, the, the joke is this, everything that on TV commercials, I have, <laughs> it's like, I won't get into everything, but it's like, you have I got it. I you got have, it. If I got you it. have psoriasis, yeah. if you have bipolar, if you have depression, if you have sleep apnea, it yeah. doesn't, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but that's the beauty of that. And, and there's another thing that I read that, um, the insurance is too high yeah. for people that don't have money. They can't afford the insurance. I believe that if you ask me, the most important thing in our society is mental health. It's going to be the evolution of humankind. I agree. It's going to be a better way that we learn to communicate. Instead of creating all this division in this country, we're going to, there's an etiquette that we've lost almost, right? Yeah. I feel like there's an etiquette that's been lost because people, a lot of people, when they're talking, it's just a text yeah. or it's something that they can post on social media. There's no pushback. You're not looking at somebody in the eye having that conversation. Yeah, yeah. There's an etiquette that we've lost. I agree. Relating to one another. Even though I'm obsessed with my social media. Uh, but it's business. For me, I see yeah. it as business. And the beauty of, of social media, I get everything you said is absolutely on, on the money. But um, the beauty of social media is, because I did it, you can look up Lexapro. Yes. And go, oh, Oh, okay. You can look up bipolar. You can... I was on Lexapro. Yeah, that's I was on Lexapro um, in my 20s for a long time. And what I didn't know about Lexapro is when you you cannot drink alcohol on Lexapro. Oh, I didn't drink alcohol. No, I did. And man, whoo, I lost my sea legs like that after like two beers. I was like... And the first five days, you're worse than you were. Yeah. And no, Somebody at work took Lexapro and she had to get off three days because she was going... I said, you have to wait. You have to endure it, yeah. And then I did, and it did save, lithium saved my life, so did Lexapro. Yeah. Because if, if Lexapro didn't work at that time, during the pandemic. And that's the first time you were prescribed Lexapro? I never took anything for anxiety. Anything else, I thought wow. I could get through without yeah. it. And I have gotten through without yeah. it. But like I said to people, and I'll say it again, because it's important, you know, it's like being, you, you got first, second gear, that's where you want to stay in. You can go to third. Don't go to fourth and don't go to fifth. I think I was in sixth during the pandemic. So when you're in sixth, and I'm sorry for, because I believe in meditation and I believe in yoga and I believe in working out, but when you're in sixth or even fifth, you got to get professional help and take something. Yeah. Cause and there shouldn't be any shame. No. And if you want to keep it private, that's cool too. That's your thing. Nobody needs to know that's about right. what you take. That's right. But there shouldn't be any shame in dealing with that. No. I'm a big advocate of uh, meditation and yoga as well. It's great. I heard you didn't do yoga yet, though. No, man. You got to give it a shot. Everybody it's so does. great. Because I think a lot of things, too, is, for me, I should speak for myself, but for myself, if I get caught up in acting especially, if I get caught up here in my head and I'm not in my body being present with you, yeah. This shit's going to rattle away. Yeah, ba, yeah, ba, ba, yeah, ba, yeah. What are you doing? You, yeah. you should be looking this way. You should be doing this. Oh, he's judging you. If I'm not here in my body. You're right. You're absolutely right. And that's one way that I've learned to uh, to tap into it so much so that I got certified between gigs. Wow. I did the 200-hour 
yoga course. Well, then you help. You'll teach me that. I'll teach you. We should do some poses after. Wow. No, Rod, that's yeah, cool. It's cool. Because I know I'm not doing it by myself. All right. Uh, I don't have, look, I don't have much more to say. And, but I am going to say this. This, this interview has been with Jordy. Probably just one of the most, how's the word, knowledgeable. When he started talking about mental health, this guy became like Eckhart Tolle, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was, a, I saw it happening and I really, really uh, appreciated it because it, it, I, I just felt in my head as we were talking that it's going to really give a lot of people things to think about and it's going to just help a lot of people. That's, that's all I can say. Now. That was my intention coming here, man. Yeah, I know. I know that was your intention and you, you accomplished that intention. I'm so glad you're doing this. Thank you, brother. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Please be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review.